Hey, good evening. It is Friday, December 29th. Welcome to the latest episode of A Day in the Life of with Jeff Bosley. I'm sitting here with some uh, Jameson, a uh, tumbler, and a whiskey stone. Mourning the death of Pauline and I's dog, Frank. And per the, uh, I don't know, passive advice of the writer, director, editor, actor, Kevin Smith in all of his podcasts. Podcasts are cheap, easy, free. Sometimes they're therapy and sometimes there's an audience out there for them. So I figured why not do it today? So yeah, death. Today's episode, really uplifting already right off the bat, but uh, death sucks. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Pauline and I, in less than 30 days, uh, Pauline's my fiance, in less than 30 days have had to put down our two different pets. We are at 60%, 66% losses. <laughs> uh, it's messed up. It's a really messed up world. I don't know about you guys, but growing up, I remember watching uh, the movie with Tom Hanks, Turner and Hooch, and when, uh, spoiler, when Hooch dies... I remember still crying during that, but you know, you can watch Predator or Rambo or any other movie in the world where there's massive slaughters of humans, and uh, you don't really flinch, unless it's a good acting death scene. God, Jameson is so good. So yeah, it's a, it's a weird, um, weird duality. Um, I was just talking to my sister on the phone when I took my dog Izzy, our uh, last remaining pet out for a walk, and, uh, you know, I compared it to war, you know, I said, this, for some reason, this, um, Frank is the dog we just had to put down today, um, I'm not a cat person, but seeing the pain Pauline went through to put her cat down, it really hurt me a lot, but for some reason, Frank, since it was her and I's dog, it was my first, um, dog since Izzy, so uh, I, don't know, I don't know what reasoning it had more weight, you know, because um, Pauline's cat wasn't mine before the relationship or anything like that. I don't know what it is, you know, because obviously no pet is more important than the other, but for some reason, impacts are different. Um, but for some reason, this one really hit me hard. Um, I've seen death in, in, when I was in Special Forces, I've seen plenty of death as a firefighter and uh, obviously all human. And uh, it's interesting. Um, and I made a comment to my sister, and she's she's wise. She's like my little uh, Buddha. But she said, um, I'm going to butcher, bastardize her uh, wise words. But it was something along the lines of, she said something like, well, you know, in combat, there's this uh, undertone of expectation that death will come. And uh, it's messed up. She's right, you know. Um, when you sign up to be in a combat job in the military, it's not accepted like a machismo thing, but there's a uh, an understanding that you signed up to dish out death and possibly die yourself. And uh, for some reason it makes it... I mean, the deaths I've seen were obviously sad. Um, some of them, especially as a firefighter, they're complete strangers. Um, and there's a whole bunch of backstories to those, but I, you know, there's a, uh, sadness because, you know, a, another human being died. 
Um, and uh, there was a sadness because I truly felt I could have done more. Um, so there was a little bit of uh, regret. And then in the military, um, having brothers in arms um, die or, you know, I mean, it doesn't, it even takes a stranger in the military can die. And it impacts me because there, we have this, this I, I think anybody in the military would agree, but we have this inherent automatic bloodline um, just by being in the military. And it's not a uh, higher than thou thing. You know, it's, it's just this weird bond. Um, you know, um, uh, no disrespect to a support person, but a support person could be just, um, transporting from point A to point B and die during an IED attack. And, you know, just because they signed up there, there's this, um, empathy, this understanding, this, this, and this bond. And then especially in the combat arms, there's an absolute bond, especially I mean, when you get into your own specialties, like for me in the Green Braves and the Special Forces, there's a, a huge bond and an understanding. Complete stranger uh, Green Braves die daily, and I get posts about it, or I get emails, and that crushes me. You know, I don't even know these guys, but there's I just know that they're Green Braves, and I blindly, um, maybe to a fault, feel pain. For their loss, for their family's loss, for their mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, daughters, sons. So it's weird. But there's this something about pets, you know. Um, it's weird. I don't know if it's the blind uh, innocence or the, like, the loyalty they have. Um, I saw a meme. I don't know if my dad made it or somebody else made it. But I remember uh, there's some meme going around that says something like... Um, lock your wife and your dog and or your dog or, and your dog in a trunk for eight hours at the end of eight hours who's happy to see you and uh it's it's your dog uh i've never owned a cat outside of the um the secondary ownership of pauline's cat so i i always will speak it's kind of like in books you know like older books when you read them they have to modernize it with a disclaimer at the beginning we're talking about you know um during this book, we're always going to use the male pronouns, but it doesn't mean women, X, Y, and Z. Uh, so I say that with dogs in regards to cats. I've just never owned a cat, so I'll always say dogs. That's my default. Um, but yeah, you open that trunk, dog will be happy as shit to see you. <laughs> you log a human in a trunk for longer than five seconds, and uh, they will not be happy to see you. So there's just something about, for me, uh, dogs. <sighs> Excuse me, and their uh, their blind loyalty—it's it's truly interesting. And uh, I mean, I'm a grown-ass man. I'd like to think I've done some pretty badass things. I would like to think I'm very—I um, think this is a made-up word—dualistic. Uh, I'm very proud of my—I uh, know this is the right word. I am very proud of my duality. I can be uh, uh, a cyborg of emotionless evil. And at the same time, a uh, huggable teddy bear. And I uh, will not lie, I, uh, Frank's death crushed me today. It's, it's pretty messed up. I don't know why. I mean, he was pushing 13. We'd done everything we can. He was old and getting to the point where he was in pain. You know, every pers everything points to it was the right thing to do. But there's just this uh, weird... I don't know, 
dogs they give you this the dogs they they are at your mercy you know regardless of your thoughts and if you tra- I mean some people train them on a farm some people uh you know raise them like coddle little princesses in Hollywood you know who knows but I mean no matter what that that no matter what the dog whether it's that farm dog or otherwise they depend on you I mean they're at our mercy and uh, it it's interesting because I know I mean I'm not an idiot dogs are animals they can't think the way we as humans uh, we you know we attach um, a rationalization to them like oh look how happy he is dogs don't know happy I mean that's that's not accurate but you know I do strongly feel that dogs learn that they we provide them shelter we provide them food I mean if you feed the dog during the same time every night doing the, after the same routine they get a pattern they realize that you're providing them food um, so it's excuse me the inverse of that is to say that if they understand for us that we provide them food and shelter that it kind of hurts to think that maybe they associate pain and suffering with something we've done too you know like why can't you fix this why or, or why are you doing this to me and that's the soul crushing part you know I don't care if you have a farm dog or a little princess lap dog to have them look at you you know even at the most primal sense they'll pause and look at you like why is this happening you know I I, I think at the most primal lizard brain level uh, an animal can somehow question why is this happening what do I do to avoid it I mean that's you know I don't care at the most cellular level if uh, if something's being burned or or having pain inflicted they'll retract you know and a pet wants that and if they can't retract they look to us to make that pain stop so it's an interesting you know death uh, and then you know I was talking to an attorney today and uh, you know he said it uh, Pauline and I said it today too uh, with animals you can you can't tell them the why you can't tell them you've done what you can you know and all these things but and at least humans you can express it you know and there will be circumstances where you know if a human is in a vegetative state etc where they're not going to hear you but you know for your peace of mind you can excuse me tell them why you're doing something but animals you, you can't you know it's it's weird um if you, I would like to think if you're a good person, that blind loyalty they give you in, is, inverse, is inversely proportionate to this blind responsibility you're willing to give to them. And uh, when you feel like you haven't done that for them, you feel like you've betrayed them. You know, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. Death talk. Not the best podcast topic in the world, huh? try to be a little bit more diverse what else happened today man no it's just been pretty much all death um, hopefully
hopefully uh, if my parents are listening to this, mom, dad, stop listening now. You'll understand why later, but at this point, stop listening. Um, uh, Pauline and I are trying to figure out a way to maybe do a quick road trip to see my parents. Haven't seen them for a little over a year. Uh, haven't casually visited them for over two years. The last time I saw them was uh, during my father was having... Uh, a cancer scare and so that wasn't exactly the most vacation-esque visit <sighs> excuse me sorry it's getting late but uh yeah parents are interesting it's uh i don't know if anybody out there has understood this but there's this weird transition where you know growing up whether it was when their your parents were providing you with um tutelage or vacation or education or work ethic they were the parent figures, you know, there's this, um, they're the parent, you're the child figure, but there's a point where as time goes on, those roles almost invert, and it's a slow inversion, it's not blatantly overnight, but um, there's a point where you realize, holy shit, you know, my parents aren't superhuman, they do need me, they do need outside help. I mean, I'm very fortunate in that uh, my father is very good with finances. He had a very good job as a, an emergency room physician, so they've, they've set themselves up to have a good life uh, after retirement and knowing how they age. My dad's very pragmatic about the process of aging. He's not a fool to, you know, what's going to go down. But it's interesting to, you know, just ponder your parents getting weak, you know, you having to go to them, go visit them. Um, you know, it's an interesting debate. You know, do they, do you owe them time? Not out of guilt or debt, but kind of in the, in the, uh, uh, in the vein of, you know, the least you can do after all they've done for you is give them, excuse me, a second of your time, you know, is, is, is the theory and uh, you know my parents definitely have done a lot for me the least I can do is try to take two or three days and drive up and say hi to them you know they're not asking for anything in return for what they've done for me um, and I don't know what it's like I don't have kids I don't know what it's like to to have a child you know and I've everybody I've told to it changes how you think it changes how you feel it changes how you look at children um, it's it's Interesting. A commercial for SEAL Team just came on on CBS. So for anybody listening to this point, uh, I'm on episode 13 of season one. It's going to be a really, really good episode. It's going to um, smack you in the face with the realities of special operations deployments. And I just forgot my character's name. I play Steve Porter. So if you're interested... Uh, Let's see if it's out yet. See when it's airing. I don't think it has got an air date yet. Oh, actually, yeah. It airs 24th of January. So, it's good to know. January 24th, uh, my episode airs. So, a little, over, uh, a little under a month. Good to know. Yeah, it's an interesting... Uh, that's a whole other side topic is the Green Bray playing a Navy SEAL. You know, there's a Green Bray movie coming out called uh, 12 Strong. 
and it's about explicitly, specifically, Green Berets in uh, the original, the initial one of the, some of the few initial battles in Afghanistan, and uh, you know, significantly shortly after 9/11, and uh, my and basically the long short of it is is that um, Navy SEALs consulted on the movie. Now, tactically, and, you know, how to hold a gun, X, Y, and Z, yeah, there's, you know, we can all cross over, but as far as telling this story, they literally don't have um, a dog in the fight, um, so it's a little frustrating. Um, I don't have first-hand knowledge, but I have, like, first-and-a-half-hand knowledge, <laughs> as far as this movie and um, them using, using Navy SEALs and not Green Berets. And it's truly frustrating because obviously I was a Green Beret on the movie, the TV show SEAL Team. And uh, here's my uh, argument to avoid hypocrisy. The, tactically, uh, there are some consultants in their former Green Berets and Rangers. And you know, tactically, they offer their consultation and expertise. It is also a fictional show. And they also do have a Navy SEAL uh, consultant to probably be the final check in the system. Um, so again, fictional show, tactics, more or less accuracy, and then they still have a Green Beret or a Navy SEAL on staff, so to speak. Um, but this Green Beret movie, as far as I understand, um, not having any Green Berets involved, there is apparently one Green Beret in it. But the one thing about this industry is being in a movie sometimes is slightly misleading. For all I know, he's in it for like two seconds. And I do know one thing. If you're in a movie for like two seconds, you have no uh, say in how the movie's made. <laughs> so even though there is or was or maybe a Green Beret in, the, in 12 Strong, um, there's no saying he had any say in this uh, how this movie was made. So... Uh, for and I have heard from pretty reliable intelligence, 12 Strong, uh, I will not see it. Um, I'm very offended. So that's that. Probably, oh yeah, an ad popped up on Facebook for SEAL Team and I went on a tangent. So we've talked about death, we've talked about parents. What else can we talk about? Yeah, shit sucks, man. It's weird. And again, I know this is just a dog. I mean, this is like John Wick level uh, vengeance. Like, if somebody killed my dog the way I'm feeling right now on a planned, calculated, um, appropriate death, if that's how I feel now, I can't imagine how I would feel if somebody killed my dog like John Wick style. I would probably go John Wick on the mob. I completely see where that character comes from. <laughs> um, uh, for those of you who haven't seen John Wick, basically, it's a funny, if, hearing it out loud makes it sound like a, you're like almost a Saturday Night Live skit, but when you see it, they did it so well, it's believable. But basically, Counter Reeves plays just kind of like a down and out beat um, mercenary uh, or killer for hire. And something goes wrong, they retaliate and kill his dog. And it sounds stupid on paper, but anybody that's lost a dog, you realize there's this weird personal pain if somebody if somebody consciously killed your dog for vengeance 
man, yeah, I, I, the way I feel now with Frank's loss, I would, I, Frank's my dog, I would totally empathize with the, the plight of John Wick. Uh, I would understand laying waste to the uh, uh, mafia underworld for anybody that um, dared mess with my dogs. I don't know if it's an Idaho thing, you don't mess with your family, your dogs, or your truck. But yeah, I completely empathize with, empathize with John Wick at this point. It's interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't know how this podcast, today's podcast, can be remotely entertaining. I don't know, for those of you who have lost something, someone, or a pet, maybe this is uh, cathartic. I know I've, um, I've said some very uh, intelligent-sounding things with a lot of words that have multiple syllables, so that's always a bonus. I'm as tired as I am, and as, uh, I'm pretty much as tired, I don't, I don't drink that much, when I do, I barely get any, uh, in, uh, any impact. The thing is, however, I haven't slept a full night of sleep since Wednesday night, and it's Friday night, something like that. I'm, I'm definitely, uh, on a, a point of sleep deprivation that's definitely affecting me so I need to hit the bed and then hit the gym and then uh, Pauline and I are going to possibly attempt that uh, <sighs> excuse me attempt that uh, surprise road trip to see my family or my parents we shall see I gotta go see my sister and her family what is it about holidays that uh, has this automatic uh, guilt where you have to meet, see your family. I mean, I get it. I don't know. It sucks because they say money can't, you know, fix problems or money doesn't buy happiness. Yeah, I mean, I get the premise of that, but you know, it does fix a lot of problems. It's it's uh. You don't hear anybody complaining about having money to and not having enough money to visit family. You know, wealth can can buy those kind of conveniences and it's 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 an interesting um, first world problem when you hear people complain and they you know I mean you look at a lot of famous people and you just follow their Instagram and you're like holy shit if the things you're doing right now cost so much money it's it's weird what people take for you know for granted I guess Watching a, uh, you know how so many uh, automatic ads show up on your Facebook feed. I'm watching one on stunts. <clears throat> you know, this has Gal Gadot. And yeah, she's athletic, but you know, I'm a little biased, Pauline's better. And here's one with Tom Cruise. Love him or hate him, the dude works his ass off. There is an argument that uh, he shouldn't be taking stuntmen out of work for shots that aren't necessarily needed to have it be him. But, you know, to each his own. I am mass ill, and here's Keanu Reeves doing John Wick 2. Perfect example. Why not? I mean, to fuck it. Do what you want. I think it's impressive, to be honest with you.
I think it's awesome. I think actors who do their own stunts, it's pretty badass. You know, and if, if, if the shot doesn't require the, the actor or actress, you know, put the stuntman in if it's going to risk the production because uh, Danny Trejo had an interesting, uh, had an interesting, uh, I think it's an interview, he talked about job, he, the ego of actors taking on stunts that end up, you know, if that actor injures himself, the production shuts down. You know, that means catering, carpenters, uh, small jobs, big jobs, they all, they all are out of work. So if your ego is costing the uh, film, um, film crew, cast and crew work, you know, put your ego aside. But you know, for the cool close-ups, I completely, I'd kill to be Tom Cruise. I mean, the kid in me wants to be a stuntman. Those are badass and those are fun. But, you know, I mean, also production value and looking at it from a producer standpoint, uh, you know, you got to make sure the longevity and look at the big picture of the film and make sure the film gets made. You know, because Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible 6, I think, just recently broke his ankle and uh, production shut down. So, you know, some poor carpenter that was working on it uh, now he's out of work, or he has to look for another, you know, TV or uh, gig. So all because of a shot that was pretty much a, a shot that was far enough away you couldn't tell it was Tom Cruise, thus uh, supporting Danny Trejo's argument that it didn't need to be him. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, anybody use? Uh, anybody know what a whiskey stone is? Anybody use those in whiskey? The theory is it's basically a cold, a stone you put in the freezer and you use it in place of ice and it won't dilute your drink yet, it'll keep it cold. They last all of but three seconds, so whiskey stones are stupid. Ice is better, but then it dilutes your drink, so boo-hoo. First world problems. What else can stimulate my conversation here? As I scroll through the internet world of That's badass. Oh, I'm on a book cover. Wow. So yeah, I'm on a fighter diet book cover. Uh, you'll see it January 6th at the uh, Los Angeles Fit Expo. That's pretty cool. BMXers and uh, Jesus, no, <sighs> so they uh, there's this you know, the pool, those pool kind of um, areas that have uh, like emptied pools where skaters and bicycle, you know, BMX tricksters go and do tricks and stuff. This guy was in one of those pools and it's surrounded by a fence with like spikes, basically. This guy went and did a backflip. Uh, he's on a bike and did a backflip. Overshot and went to the fence, which has basically all these spiked rails. And statistically, 
as he flew over that, he should have been impaled. I mean, like, I would 98% chance he should have, those spikes should have gone through major parts of his body. His thighs literally went between the spikes, and he slid down, completely missing everything. Dude should, should play the lottery. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, anyway, where are we at? 30 minutes, I've talked about death, uh, visiting family. Um, and a bunch of random stuff to do with film, the film industry. Um, might be it. I'll just call it about 30 minutes. I don't want to turn this into a rambling podcast, but I do want to for the sake of me and for, uh, people that have supported me, current fans, potential fans. I do want to keep these short, sweet, and concise, but also make them worth, uh, people's time. So I guess that's it. Um, since this isn't live, I have no, um, direct interaction with y'all, so I will just, uh, hope somebody listens to this. Um, thank you for your time. Uh, it's been 30 minutes. If anything, it's at least been cathartic to me, cathartic to me. Um, it's always nice just to chat. So, um, this is on iTunes, so please, uh, like, uh, subscribe, uh, and review, share with your friends. And I'll be a little bit better about doing these podcasts more regularly. Uh, Scott and I, we had uh, we have a podcast, a sub sect of uh, day in the life of. It's called Whiskey and BS. Uh, it's a double entendre uh, for bullshit and Bosley and Seagrin um, that we need to get back on. And then uh, my good friend from Colorado Springs, Colorado, Alicia, her and I have Hippie and the Caveman. And that's always a fun little uh, podcast because uh, her and I are best friends, but also very uh, extremely opposites uh, handling uh, or extremely opposite opinions of how we handle life. So it's uh, truly interesting. So thank you for your time. Thank you for listening and uh, enjoy. Take care. Be safe. Have a good uh, New Year's Eve if you partake in festivities. And um, I appreciate your time. All right. Good night.